You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. It's time for Chasing the Word. We're right in the middle of Psalm 18, and we've kind of worked ourselves through a kind of a personal story in the past mm-hmm. two weeks about why it became so important to us. But in this series, we're not taking one book at a time and going through it chapter by chapter. Well, we'd spend the rest of our lives going through the book of Psalms. <laughs> Good. We're trying to pick special Psalms and do a series on why they're special and dig into them in the same style we've done with other books of the Bible, which mm-hmm. is conversational. You and I working our way through the thoughts and the feelings and the images that are in this book in a personal way. It's an encouragement, of course, to all of our listeners to be spending time with the Word in a personal way themselves, not just to read things for facts or for ideas or for answers, Mm -hmm. but to be with the Lord that actually inhabits these words. Well, we believe that the Word of God speaks to us. And that it's living and active, and it does move our hearts when we ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light in those areas. And the Word of God is one of the best ways that we can communicate with the Holy Spirit, and He can communicate back with us. And in Psalm 18, the way that David is communicating to the Father is (laughs) is quite direct and quite demanding. He's obviously in a tight place. And if he's someone who's after God's own heart, as God says about David, he's going for the gut. Mm. I mean, he literally goes to God and says, where have you been? What are you up to? Why have you set me up this way? Not because I think David is necessarily trying to prove God wrong, but helping God to prove himself right in his life Mm -hmm. and being witness to it as much as a provocateur. And how many times do we have courage to go to God and provoke him with our prayers? Based on his promises. And David, I think, was the one that set the template this way. He says, if it's in the word, it's got to mean something today. If you grew up like me, you were always taught that you got to respect this awesome God and you don't question him and you don't demand anything of him. Like maybe your parents expected that from you and your relationship with them as well. But as I've gotten older and as I have really sought the Lord and asked the Holy Spirit to enlighten me, like I said before, I realize that God wants to hear our honesty. God Mm -hmm. wants our heart to be laid bare before him. Honestly, it already is. He already sees it. But I think something happens inside of us when we choose that path of honesty. It opens us to more of the possibilities of God and what he wants to do in us and through us and for us. That's what's happening here in Psalm 18. Well, if there's no shadow of turning with him, meaning that there's no falsehood, there's no sleight of hand, there is God. Mm. That to be in his presence is going to be where truth is. There is no fakery when it comes to the presence of God. So there are certain things God just cannot do. He cannot lie is one of the big ones. So when David, his beloved son, comes to him and says, it looks like you're a liar. I know you're not, but you left me hanging here. It looks like my foes may overwhelm me, but you promised me you would prevail in these things. So show yourself to be who you are, not who they think you are. Right. Well, I've encouraged people in our study guide to read through the book of Second Samuel, starting in about chapter 18, and it tells the story of why David actually wrote Psalm 18, mm. and it tells about how he conquered a lot of his enemies, and he yeah. was made to rise up above Saul, and he escaped from the, the sword of Saul, and it also talks about his son Absalom mm-hmm. and the terrible difficulty and trauma that happened at the hands of Absalom in the nation at that time, and how... 
David overcame that and Absalom was killed and he mourned the death of Absalom. But in in 2 Samuel 22, this is where Psalm 18 comes in. David writes this psalm to thank God and to remind those around him what God did for them and what God will do in showing up for us when we cry out to him. And can we really thank God and express to him our gratitude and sense it ourselves if we don't also get honest about what led to it? Mm. I mean, remembering the things we've been through and presenting them as a worship offering, a pouring out on the altar kind Mm -hmm. of idea, Mm -hmm. is part of the entire gift. The honesty of what we recall and remember of the past and how we perceive it through God's eyes, not just through our own hurt. Right. We bring that back to him. That's part of the gift, and it's part of the emptying out of the things that could corrode us from the inside, the things that would keep there from being any room for God to dwell, Mm. to flourish, to bring about life in us. All this stuff, the hurt, the pain, the anguish, even the anguish of the memories, when they're brought back and presented to him as saying, you can clean all of this. You can redeem all of this. You can make something happen with this that is beyond my imagination, trusting that they won't be so painful now and not in the same way, Mm. not without hope and not without gratitude for how God has, in fact, brought us through something. Mm. So if we go to God after a long time of trial and we're not willing to tell him what we were going through at that time and thank him for how he's brought us through it, then we're really not presenting him all the picture. I think God is expecting us to be able to be honest about the past, the present, and honest about our expectations and hopes for the future. It's all one package, I think, in worship. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. We ended on verse 29, so let's jump in at verse 30 and read from there. Again, we're reading from the voice translation. Everything God does is perfect. The promise of the eternal rings true. He stands as a shield for all who hide in him. Who is the true God except the eternal? Who stands like a rock except our God, the true God who encircled me with strength and made my pathway straight. He made me sure-footed as a deer and placed me high up where I am safe. He teaches me to fight so that my arms can bend a bronze bow. You, O God, have shielded me with your salvation, supporting me with your strong right hand, and it makes me strong. You taught me how to walk with care so my feet will not slip. I chased my enemies and caught them and did not stop until they were destroyed. I broke them and threw them down beneath my feet, and they could not rise up again. For you equipped me for battle, and you made my enemies fall beneath me. You made my enemies turn tail and run, and all who wanted my destruction I destroyed. They looked everywhere, but no one came to rescue them. They asked the Eternal, but he did not answer them. I beat them to sand to dust that blows in the wind. I flung them away like trash in the gutters. Tough and violent rhetoric. Mm. You know, there's a lot about the poetry of a warrior. It's going to be different than the poetry of an intellectual or a romantic. I do think there's a romantic streak in David. He seems to be both sometimes. But he's almost vicious in his imagery and the places he's been, because I think he actually went through a lot of this stuff. We think about friends of ours, like right now, that are in the middle of the war in Ukraine. They're pastors. Mm -hmm. They are caretakers of souls. They are evangelists. And they're called up to be in the military because they have to to defend their country. And their reports are poetic, but there's nothing sensitive or gentle about what they're saying. They're telling the truth about how awful it is to have to be in a place of death and how death is an instrument of preservation for your own nation. That's Mm -hmm. not a pretty story. Right. But it's essential. And they're documenting what they're really going through so that generations beyond them will be able to know what their parents experienced. We mourn with those reports, too, because they're people we love. 
we mourn for the families in Russia that are sending sons and daughters to war that will never see them again right. because they're forced to. There's all kinds of things about the injustice of war that we're seeing in our own generation close up. David speaks to that. For anybody who was one of his friends or someone who knew what was going on in the nation of Israel at the time, they can visualize real battles. Yeah. And even those within the camp that want him, David, dead after being anointed king. It's a mess. Everything he's living through right now is just not fun. Mm -hmm. But it's honest. He speaks to the things that did happen in the past because he speaks in the past tense here. There were times when God's anointing came upon him in the warrior sense where there was no defeating him and he knew it. So he went at the enemies. And we can use that more as a metaphor today because I don't want to encourage anybody to think that God wants violence or he speaks to us that way or speaks in the language of violence all the time. I think one of the things that I look at when I read a scripture like this, if I can presume to apply it to my own life in a sense, the enemy that we were experiencing when you were in the hospital Mm -hmm. was not some flesh and blood enemy. It was an enemy of the spirit. It was Mm. an enemy of our soul. Fear and doubt and confusion, all of those things we also can consider to be our enemy. And so if we look at it in that light and see that these are enemies that have come against us, come against us physically, as in just physical illness and Mm -hmm. injury, come against us emotionally, as in fear and trauma and anxiety, come against us spiritually, the enemy of our souls himself, the accuser Mm -hmm. that was accusing me, that was shedding doubt in my mind about God's plan. Mm. I can separate that from the violence of what David is describing here. We know that he's most likely talking about actual human beings that were his enemy. And some of them believed God was on their side and were crying out to God. But God had made it clear at this point that David was his man. They were actually the enemies of God because they were attacking God's man. We can consider ourselves God's person. We are God's when we live in him, when we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. If we look at it in light of who our enemy is, what our enemy is, and how our enemy is attacking us, this makes a lot of sense. Our enemies could be multitude. Absolutely. And diverse. The literal sense of physical threat. If you're sitting in an ICU with somebody who is there because of an accident or some disease has brought one of their loved ones low, and they're at their rope's end not knowing what to even ask God for, the enemy is a real literal one. It is a disease or a violence that has happened to a person. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has to be battled. I mean, every doctor who's worked in an ICU or an emergency room knows they're doing battle for the lives of souls and saving their bodies. We are battling on all kinds of levels, of course, and there is something to be said for there truly being a spiritual life and that life and death issues for the soul are just as real as facing a disease. But they're all there. They're all Mm -hmm. present in the person and in the community that's around that person. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. 
And we have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. Every doctor who's worked in an ICU or an emergency room knows they're doing battle for the lives of souls right. and saving their bodies. We are battling on all kinds of levels, of course, and there is something to be said for there truly being a spiritual life and that life and death issues for the soul are just as real as facing a disease. But they're all there. They're all mm-hmm. present in the person and in the community that's around that person. David is speaking a very lonely psalm here in a lot of ways. He talks about the one-on-one. But I don't think it's because there was nobody else in his life or no one else around him or no friends. Right. He just said he got down to the one thing that would always be forever, and that is a relationship with his Father mm-hmm. in heaven. He talks about how God equips him and how yes. God prepares him and God trains him. Trains him. Yeah. And, and I think that's important for us to mm-hmm. remember that those are the things that we look at and say, okay, these are the things that God is doing for me. He's training me, equipping me. He's preparing me for battle. Even though we look at Jesus in the New Testament and see that he lived a very anti-violent life, he was pacifist in that sense, the things that he struggled with internally when we see him weeping over the death of Lazarus, we see the story of his time in the desert when he was tempted by Satan, or the times that he sweat blood in the garden before his journey to the cross, those are internal battles. Those were battles that he fought in himself, in his spirit. That's what I'm talking about here. The ways Mm -hmm. that God equips us for those kind of battles. Probably you and I would say, we would venture out maybe on a limb here and say, we are pacifists in that sense. We are not for war and violence. We are for peace to reign. We also are not naive, knowing that there are forces out there that will inflict violence on people we love. And sometimes have to be stood up to. Yeah, exactly. And our experience ourselves has been when we're faced with those kind of challenges, you have to respond. You can't sit back and wait for something else to be there. You have to be activist. I mean, it is one thing to be pacifist in philosophy and in politics or in lifestyle. But it's another thing to say, I don't have a stake in this. It's somebody else's battle. Mm -hmm. Because even if we choose a path of resistance that is civil, that does not require violence, even if we do that, we still have to engage, and there's a price to be paid for engaging any conflict, to be involved, to be an actor in, to pursue peace, to be peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers. Yeah, yeah. When we're called to that and we say yes to it, there will be a need for training. There'll be a need for preparing. And when David talks about being ready for the enemies he will face, he says, you trained me. You taught me how to run through the mountains like a deer. Mm-hmm. You trained me to be able to pull back one of the stiffest bows known to man so that my arrows can fly farther than anybody's. And David's not a big guy. We know he was probably undersized even for the day he lived in, but he had a huge spirit. But he also was a strong dude. I mean, he trained physically to be ready for battle. And if you can bend a bronze bow, that's saying something. That means a really, (laughs) really, really stiff string. And you're going to draw that puppy back to be able to let an arrow fly. He's saying the toughest skill, the toughest muscle to be trained, I did that because you showed me the way. Mm -hmm. Now, if we go back to the metaphor idea, there's all kinds of muscles in our mind, in our will, 
in our bodies that have to be trained if they're ever going to be useful. Mm -hmm. And if we're not willing to step in there and say, God himself will show me the way to become and will lead me in and will take me through. If we can't confess those things and we really don't believe them, we're never really even going to start. We're never going to start to try. And we're always going to try to fail just by abdicating. From day one. And how many of us start there thinking, well, God didn't come to me when, and they blame God for something that they were not willing to engage and weren't willing to train, weren't willing to take the word seriously, weren't willing to take the advice, the counsel, the wisdom of others to say, this is how you approach this. Mm -hmm. This is how you walk humbly and with God's strength. And they don't do those things. And they make God the ogre in this Mm -hmm. when they're unwilling. I know lots of people like that I've met in my life, and I mourn that. Because there's so much better for them and for the world if we would choose to believe that God has good things for us, but it's going to be something we have to engage in, too. I think a good example that David sets for us here is that he starts out this section with all of the things that God is, just giving glory and honor to God, saying, God, you're perfect. Everything you do is perfect. Your promises are true. You're a shield to me. You're a fortress for me. You're a rock. You've encircled me. He just goes through this whole list Mm -hmm. of things that God has done and is doing for him. And then he turns the corner and says, and because you prepared me for all these things, because you taught me and you shielded me and you showed me these things, I can do these other things. I can chase my enemies far. I have the endurance to do that. I can grind them into dirt and dust that you're going to blow away. But he also says that God does these things for us. They're not just things that I'm doing in my own strength. These are the battles that I'm fighting because I have the strength of God. And even if we feel alone in those things when things get rough, if God has prepared us and trained us to be ready for that day, does that mean that God is right there with us doing it for us or that we're doing it? Well, yes. Yes. (laughs) And it also means that whether we feel it or not in a moment of crisis, preparing you for that day is something that puts you and puts God in the middle of the action. Mm. Think about the way we as parents prepare our children. Will we be there when they have to face their boss and deal with some issue with their work when they're an adult someday? No, we're not going to be in the room with them. But who we are and how we prepare them are going to be with them every day of their lives. Right. That's Does good. that mean that we're with them and have to make decisions for them? Of course not. They'll have been raised up and have matured to the point where they can take care of themselves. But what a wealth to take along the strength and wisdom and hopefully the good advice that their parents can have for them in a time when they're going to have to exercise it on their own, Mm -hmm. as they see it. Mm -hmm. But they're really not on their own when you think about the arc of time. They're part of a community. They were put in this family for a reason. God raised them up for a day through the people that he prepared them with. And we're all on this team together. God's will, his word, his witness, his presence, and those who love him surrounding us, Mm -hmm. preparing us for that day. Are we willing to be receptive to it and therefore allow God to prepare us for the days when it will feel very lonely? David shows us the way here. He also says that it's not an easy path. In fact, he says there's not even a path here. He says, he helps me to stand on steep mountains. He says, he makes my way free from fault. He doesn't say he makes the path flat. There's no fault here to worry about. But he says, in order to get through this, he makes me like a deer that does not stumble. That tells me that wherever he's running is not a straightforward road. Mm -hmm. In fact, he's doing off-trail work right Right. now. He's running fast. He's jumping over rocks and logs. He is escaping the snare of the enemy. He's running like a deer, but he can because he knows that his way is sure because God's prepared him for a day like this. Mm, I like that. 
I want to know that, like Hindsuite and High Places, that great allegory. One of that, my favorite books. Yeah. She did know that she was preparing to run like a deer in the high places. She just knew that it was a beautiful image and that she wanted to be like them. She had no clue how tough it would be to become truly like a deer. Well, she wanted to be with the shepherd. Yeah. And the shepherd and was way up there. our goal, is yeah. to be with the shepherd and to be his forever. A song that came to my mind as I was reading through this, or as we were just talking about this now, is a great Twyla Paris song from years and years ago. And you know me, honey, that I absolutely love <laughs> Twyla Paris yeah. music. It's called The Battle is the Lord's. Mm-hmm. In that song, she just talks about how all of these things come around me that I have to deal with on a daily basis, but I always remember that the battle is the Lord's, Mm -hmm. that He is the one who trains me for that. And He takes me through these things so that I am stronger and more like Him. Do I believe that God throws things at us just on a whim? No, I don't believe that. But I do believe that the things that come into our lives because life is crummy sometimes Hmm. and hard, I do believe that God can and will use those things to make us more like him. I don't like that old saying that says, oh, the things that don't kill you make you stronger. I don't like that because it sounds kind of trite to me. The things that don't kill you can just hurt you. They can, yeah. But I do believe we have a choice in how we respond to those things. We have a choice before, we have a choice in, we have Mm -hmm. a choice in response. Mm Mm-hmm. All those times we have free will to decide how much of God we're really going to pursue and how much of God we're really going to let in. God doesn't have the choice to force us to believe in him, to follow him, to obey him. In fact, he literally abdicates that role and says, it's yours and yours alone to choose this. How that plays out in his sovereign will over all things, including my life, when I was born, when I die, and what my destiny is, I have no clue. And there are all Mm -hmm. kinds of theologies that combat over this one issue. Right. Where do I play my role and where does God play his? I don't have the answers to that, but I do have the word here. I'm hanging on that verse 35 as we wrap up today. You protect me with your saving shield. Of course, it's not going to protect me if I'm not behind it. But you support me with your right hand. You have stooped to make me great. That's a great way to end today. Yeah. We don't become great or become great men or women apart from God. But in him, how can we possibly know greatness among our fellow men and before God himself, unless God would be humble enough to stoop to make it possible, where he would lower himself, is what he's saying. He literally gets on his hands and knees to get next to me, to make me great. And not great above others. I think he's talking about becoming great at the things he intended for us to be. Mm-hmm. We'll become great at whatever it is we're called to, because God is willing to spend time with us in the dust. And I want to be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have for you today on this particular section of Psalm 18. We have more to wrap up in next week's program. We're so glad you're with us. Remember that on the Compassion Radio website, we'll have a podcast of this study. And, of course, a study guide. Link right there in the description of the podcast. You can download a PDF of anything we've talked about and have some great inspiring and maybe provoking questions that you might want to use in your own Bible study. We invite you to grab that anytime at CompassionRadio.com. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah.
We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.